Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Welcome to Webcology here on WMR.FM. It's the 24th of August, 2023. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, and as always is the case in any time during summer, summer is almost gone. It's late August in the northern part of the world, unless you're under the heat dome. Um, it's actually quite cold. It's chilly where I am. It's uh, I woke up this morning and it was like, 58 degrees um serious autumn weather is descended on the northeast unless you're under the heat dome in which case it's awful um christine how are you doing today i'm good just tired lots of deadlines <laughs> I, I mean, I'm up at 3 a.m working every day this week till like midnight and then sleeping for like three hours <laughs> it's been a long week this this is a really weird day. I um, started working on a uh, monthly audit for a, a large e-com, and uh, I was really into it today. I was having so much fun cutting along, you know, looking at issues, writing up uh, writing up uh, uh, situation reports and quick fixes and stuff. And then one, you know, twelve o'clock rolls around, we got to start getting ready for the show, and. Um, I just don't think I'm going to be have that much energy going back into it after the show's done. <laughs> I, uh, I I know that feeling. Some weeks I'm like, yes, I'm so into this. And other weeks I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my brain to finish this project. <laughs> well, um, I guess the easiest way, I think, to push ourselves whenever we're really burnt out and tired and we just, you know, have like way more, um, way more tasks than we actually have time in the day is the sense of urgency that comes with being an SEO. I've been doing this for like over 20 years and Christine, you've been doing this for nearly 20 years and there's always still a sense of urgency about what we do, right? Of course. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Ovaltine. <laughs> yeah. Sense of Ovaltine. Like, you know, no, when you're no. really tired, you need a quick fix. Ovaltine. You Ovaltine. <laughs> um, no, they are Sorry. not one of our sponsors. We can't mention They're not. that. No. Um, <laughs> Oh, yes. Urgency, urgency. There's urgency, always, urgency. always some change happening in the uh, search world. And um, this week, this show being recorded on the 24th of, of August, 2023, people might have noticed um, chatter about a uh, small, I don't know, August core update that Google released uh, earlier this week. Yes. Uh, on uh, Actually, because you can go look at the incident dashboard now. It started at 10.37 Pacific time on August 22nd, 2023. So uh, just a couple of days ago, a large uh, core update started rolling out. What that means, the honest truth is, we don't know. It's a core update. <laughs> um, and, and so people understand, because I think people have like this, uh, like it's all dark and opaque core update. What does it mean? It means the core ranking signals and they're tweaking them. So that's why it's very broad. So it can be a multiple number of things that it affects, 
or just one thing. But there's multiple signals in that core update that can be affected. Yeah, the way I usually explain it, this is this is a completely imperfect explanation, but I think it's you know reasonably good for clients, especially if you're constantly talking to your clients about things that Google spokespeople are talking about. Um, a core update is when Google starts stitching together all of the stuff that they've been working on since the last core update. And that's yeah. why it's such a sweeping thing. They have to change, you have no idea. Sometimes they got to change the very infrastructure that the, um, that their systems run on. Sometimes they have to change uh, uh, various algorithms to make the, to make uh, new things work with each other or to make existing things work better with each other. Um, whatever, there are changes in the core way that Google works. Yes, well, and all the ranking signals that are involved in the roll-up, you know, the ones that we don't hear about anymore because they're just part of the core ranking signals. Uh, there's a little trick, though, to identifying one, unless it's changed on this one, but in all the other core updates. wrote a little article about it two years ago. But because it's um, your money or your life sites that it t tends to target, uh, you can check your queries. And you'll see query groupings, if pages are your pages even, um, in GSC and see what drops. Because it, it generally groups around an issue on the site, and you can see which pages were affected through that issue because it's applied at the query level. So it's uh, Google doesn't know a site's your money or your life, but they definitely know heart attack is a your money or your life query, right? So um, by checking the queries or the pages, you can get an idea of where on your site you were affected, and then you can go from there to try to decipher what might have been wrong, a technical issue, a content issue, things like that. Yeah, and okay, so we are two days into what can be a multi-day or multi-week process. Two yeah, two um, but could be two weeks. Sometimes, actually, there was a core update that that went through in less than a week once. But oh, right, I'm often they're about they're two weeks long. Up to two weeks, yeah. That's yeah, so this could take a while. Um, don't, as we've always said on Webcology, there's an update happening. Absolutely, don't panic because you honestly don't know what you're panicking about. Um, so it ain't worth it. If you have been doing all the virtuous stuff that you should have been doing, working on content, um, making sure that your sites are running quickly and that there's a very good user experience, um, making sure that you know that the, all the basics are down, normally you're going to surf through a core update without even knowing it happened, except that we spent so much time talking about it. Yeah, but but two, two real quick things I see because mm -hmm. there's a lot of new people in SEO. Um, uh, people are like making changes as it's rolling out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you didn't make the changes already, it's too late. And although it doesn't hurt to work on your website, you may as well. No, it does. But but you're not uh you're not going to affect yourself in this core update. And usually, it takes about a four to eight week. Um, your changes need to be in like four to eight weeks ahead of an update. Uh, not always, but usually, uh, so that they have time to you know go through the web and apply the up you know, the scoring and all that sort of stuff. So so if you are frantically trying to change things now, thinking it'll change this week, it will not. Also, yeah. if you see a big drop in the beginning, hold your breath because sometimes on a core update, it adjusts itself. And in the second week, you get an increase. So it's not a typical one where as soon as you're down, you know you're down. You have to wait until the full thing is rolled out to be sure that um, you have been affected. Yeah, in my in my messaging to clients, I always I always tell them to expect search volatility for themselves and for their rivals. This is going to be um, the SERPs are going to jump around a little bit. Don't sweat it; they will mm -hmm. 
even out eventually. And that's when we start looking at what the repercussions of this core update was. Oh, by the way, something we never talk about, what we have to remind people, especially people who are new, mm -hmm. you can have nothing wrong with your site, but the people that link to you got hit. And because they got hit themselves, their value of the links go down. So um, if you can't find anything wrong with you, just check your best link, you know, the people with the most value that link to you and, and make sure they didn't get hit. Yeah. That, yeah can be just, a thing. that can be a thing. That's actually, that's actually really good advice. Um, no, don't panic again. Don't panic yet because nothing has actually happened. If you've seen that you've dropped ranking in the last day, you haven't dropped it because of this core update. It just might be the flux of the update. But um, you also haven't seen great rises from this update yet, but you might in a few weeks. And to all those that see a hockey stick, if you've ever seen the hockey stick. Well, I <laughs> have, but not because of a core update. I have for a core update, but it's the best, it's the best day of your life, right? You've been working and you go, you look. Oh, I see. Suddenly it's settled out and then boom, you've got, you're being rewarded. Boom, boom. You got like a hundred percent increase or something. Those are the best days of an SEO's life. That is very true. It is true. There's no better day than seeing that hockey stick. So I hope for all of you that have been working on your core update issues, you get a hockey stick. Okay, so core update, it's underway. There's not a lot um, you can do about it. Uh, let it play through. Um, record that, you know, when the, in, in, in record when it started and um, when it ended, all that sort of stuff. But again, so where do you want to go next, Christine? We can go like towards uh, the uh, entity oh. that formerly known as Twitter. We can go AI. We can go Google. Let's go to the big announcement from Meta real quick because that we can get through that pretty quickly. And then Twitter because there's so much. I know you just love Twitter reporting, but there's so oh, much. Okay. Okay. Are um, you talking about Code Lama? No, no, no. The threads, the desktop one. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, geez. That's yeah. true. I forgot all about yeah. that, eh? Yeah, it's like in all the news. I feel like we have to have a new show now and another show because there's so much news. Okay, um, so we're about to disgust you with a bunch of news about the um, entity formerly known as Twitter. And after we're done, if you feel kind of dirty and weird, there's well, a place you can go yet. to get we're cleaned gonna... off. Yeah, we got. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. You're doing a great intro there, and I interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yeah, so like, yes. we're gonna we're gonna scare the heck out of you. We're gonna make you feel gross. And that's our job. We don't like doing it ourselves. Trust me. But it's our <laughs> it's job. The, the Twitter then threads. Well, no. Let's go to thread. What threads? Okay. Threads exist for I web. Was, I was so excited. I'm not now. <laughs> well, I mean, give it time. Okay, so no, threads has no. been ported over from the. Uh, the Insta telephone, uh, cell phone only universe to the desktop, but it's kind of underwhelming on the desktop. Oh, no, no, it's not just underwhelming. It's not very functional. Like, I'm sorry, but your Facebook, you have billions of dollars. Just put people on it for two months and code it out. I've, I've coded, I was director of technology, and we coded three sites from the ground up in five months. Right? They had billions uh, of dollars. They spent it all in the metaverse. <laughs> That's true. But the problem is, I was so excited. I went to it today because I'm like, really want to get off Twitter, right? And I was like, oh, great. And then I and I, I don't know how many people have been on Twitter like you and I have since 2000, like something. So 2008 or nine is when I joined. And all you when you went into Twitter, all you saw was like a page where you posted stuff. And that's it. There was nothing else. That's why Twitter allowed people to develop all these apps at the time. So they could you you could use Twitter because otherwise you just tweeted and you don't even know where it went. You couldn't find it or anything. It just went into the app, you know, the ecosphere. And you're like, okay, somewhere out there, someone's reading it. 
But uh, that's what Facebook launched today. There's no trending. There's no hashtags. There's no topics. There's no people to follow. There's no, the only way you can separate your feeds is by some weird switchy button they put on the bottom left that you can't even see really. And you click it to switch back and forth. I don't want that. I want columns. I want to switch from the columns. I don't want to switch back, load, 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 load. So anyways, unfortunately, I mean, it'll be better than what they have now because most of us who work all day, we don't use it on the app. We use it on the, the desktop. So that's good. But they should have probably gotten a few features in there before they launched it. Like, you know, just a trending column or people to follow or something. And also, what is this trend? LinkedIn does this too. Where you can't just copy paste your image into the post. You got to download it and upload it. Why, people? It's 2023. This technology is not new that you can just post it into the box, right? So they also have where you have to download and upload any media that you're putting in. So yep. I have high hopes that in the next few weeks we'll get it right. But the problem is they've already lost so much usership and people are so excited about the desktop app. They should have had that functionality to get people like excited to continue to use it. Now people are going to go, well, I guess I'll wait till the features come on board. Well, I mean, not only that, they should have had that on, on, on immediate launch, but yes, remembering in, in Meta's defense, which I can't believe I'm saying, but in Meta's defense, <laughs> um, <Dirty> like, <laughs> this is, this isn't the Facebook platform they're building it on. This is a hybrid of the distribution network that Instagram was built on. Um, and so it almost feels like they took, um, a Model T chassis and slapped a, uh, 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 a Dodge frame on top of it and built a jalopy. Yeah. It's just, and a weird thing too, I went to log in and I log into Instagram through Facebook, right? And it doesn't have a Facebook login. So it's like, well, oh, yeah, again, again, this is, this is the Insta network. Um, which yeah. is owned by Meta and, and and deeply associated with Facebook, but it evolved in a different world. Yeah, so but they didn't add a Facebook login, so now I'm going, what's my login for Insta? I don't know. Well, I oh my god, out. yeah, because you never use it, right? So you don't remember. I use Facebook, right? I use a Facebook <laughs> login, and there's no. If I reset, then I have to reset all my logins for Facebook and Threads and Insta. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I figured it out. But come on, Facebook, you could have put like. 100 developers on this and they could have gotten it right in a, in a month. I know I worked in dev shops for 14 years. So they just they just always think they can just release the minimal viable and then run fast and break things. But we're past that. <laughs> they got to get it right so they can take the, the traffic away from Twitter. Well, actually, especially in an instant like this, and then it's, it's interesting that you brought up their uh, their former slogan, run fast and break things. Um, because they're actually trying to fix things right now. They're, they're, they're trying to come along and fix a mess that um, Elon Musk made. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that Zuckerberg really, 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 really cares about threads. I don't think he wants to have threads. I don't think <laughs> that was part of his like meta vision. But he sees a need and a market. Like, don't market, know, huge market, yeah. Yeah, both market. both a need and a market. I mean, any market really is a need that needs to be filled, and if you can fill it efficiently, you got your, you know, you got yourself a product. And um, to anyone who might be listening to us out there, which probably Facebook, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is not listening to us. There's someone on Facebook is listening to us. Nobody wants your interpretation of Twitter. We just want Twitter without the Nazis, <laughs> like really, and the bot um, control. You know what? That's if, really if, what if, we if, want. I, you know what? I would like to see a Twitter. Uh, a Twitter version, something that like that actually has a stable and uh, efficient revenue model. 
Um, well, that that too, but I just meant for the users themselves. Like, you don't have to get all creative. Just, just you know, yeah. just copy they will, Twitter. <laughs> they will come in droves because they want somewhere to go. Exactly. And that's probably because Twitter's a – or I'm sorry – um, X, no, the application no, no. formerly known as Twitter. I refuse. It's well, Twitter. You, you call it whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it X, the application we'll formerly X, known as Twitter. X Twitter. Yeah, X Twitter, former Twitter. Twixter, whatever you want to call I like it. Twixter. I like Twixter. We should do that. Twixter. The problem that I have with, uh, with, 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 I have a million problems with Twitter, but I think the greatest problem is the hypocrisy. Um, it would almost be, I'm like, like I think in the in the tech world and on the internet, this is 2023. We're used to letting awful people just do stuff. Apparently, Badly. it doesn't bother us that much. I mean, it bugs us for a short period of time, but the convenience is always just so much cooler. And um, Twitter or X Musk has, um, you know, successfully really, 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 really people off so much that the, <laughs> they just don't want to let them get away with stuff anymore. And well, well, um, it's the hypocrisy <laughs> that I think. talk about the blocking? Well, you know what? I could talk, the blocking is the, mo is the latest example, but you could talk about yeah. just about anything. This whole concept of, of free speech, but then it turns out to be free speech for one side, not the other. Um, yeah. That there's actually, or, or just the divisiveness itself of um, the world's leading uh, media media platform, or at least leading um, breaking news platform, having a most obvious and active political slant. And this isn't like the perceived slant that the New York Times had. No. Or that the, 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 is, is perceived to have. Literal this Nazis. is a literal, literal Nazis, Nazis. Doing, literal Nazis. doing things to suppress um, news that comes from a point of view that isn't right wing. Um, so I think people are, just, are tired of that hypocrisy. But the, the latest one, of course, is uh, uh, Musk saying that he would remove the block feature, which, I mean, like, you don't need any, how, how many ways will, does that terrify people? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I, would, I would leave the platform that day. I blocked so many trolls and bots. Only to use blocking as a technique to silence people critical of him for oh, getting yeah. rid of the block feature you know who he blocked i know from the article but someone else that he blocked which is just hilarious he blocked it, cat turd okay for those who don't know cat turd <laughs> is a fictional character his parents didn't name him cat turd not on not no, he's first, a real person. anyway he just, he just uses cat turd as oh. his name but he's a right-wing troll on the nth degree and him and Musk have been like buddies, you know, they talk all the time. So, and then, um, and then uh, James Wood, who's also a right wing troll, unfortunately, I used to like him as an actor. Uh, he got blocked for criticizing the removing the block, right? And so, um, so Musk is <laughs> Musk is blocking the people that actually support him. And then he's like, "See, how do you like that?" Is basically what he, he tells them. <laughs> Dude, you've been he's been blocking people. Forever, long before he even bought Twitter. So the hypocrisy is tremendous. The The idea, though, I, I heard early days, and I don't know if this is the reason now, but the early days was because it was very expensive to maintain block lists. And since he has a four, his 
billion dollar payment coming up or 300 million dollar payment whatever it is he always gets weird right before that's due that's due soon so, so you know, yeah. chopping this chopping that nickel and diming to try to get his way to uh to make the mortgage Pretty much, because if he fails on one payment, all the banks are allowed to call in that money, and I believe that loan is is twelve or fourteen billion, and he's not liquid enough to be able to pay twelve to fourteen billion dollars. So if he goes, if he goes, you know, past the loan date, literally, they can instantly recall all his all the loans. So he gets he gets weird at this time. He's also supposedly, um, and I didn't get a chance to confirm this outside of Twitter, but he did supposedly sell off more Bitcoin stock. He did which? Sorry. I mean, at Bitcoin, not stock. Bitcoin. He sold off more Bitcoin crypto. He sold. He sold a bunch off. Okay. Now, it's difficult to know exactly what um, is happening at Twitter. Um, they don't have to publish a lot of information about themselves anymore. They're no longer a public corporation. They're now a private corporation. They don't got to publish revenues. They don't got to publish traffic numbers. They don't got to publish anything if they don't want to. But you know who isn't making it up? Publishers who did business with Twitter or who had received traffic from Twitter. And um, a story that was uh, uh, reported on in uh, Search Engine Land earlier um, earlier this week uh, reports that on average there's like a 24% decline in traffic from X, the application formerly known as Twitter, um, for a random set of, say, 25 large and small publishers from the first half of 2022 to the first half of 2023. So I guess Q1 and Q1 and 2, 2022 versus Q1 and 2, 2023. Check this out. BuzzFeed, down 70%. Reuters, like Reuters, the news service, down 67%. Yeah. Washington Post down 48%, Wall Street Journal down 42%, CNN 41, Fox News 39. Um and you know, we can go to the New York Times 35%. Um The Guardian 29 and BBC 20%. Even even the at the low end, the BBC's loss of one fifth of the traffic Twitter had been driving is a tremendous amount. At the high end, BuzzFeed and Reuters losing up to 70%. That's a, that's a stunning amount of people who just ain't showing up. Well, it, part of it is a five-year trend, but the majority of it is since the last two years. So last year and a half. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just because the way they present basically, you know, the news now. So that has a lot to do with it. So with numbers like that, it's no wonder that we get statements like uh, was reported in, uh, well, I guess reported most recently uh, at Yahoo Finance. Um, X might fail. Um, Musk himself is is openly suggesting, as you say, it gets weird a couple of weeks before mortgage day, huh? Yeah, um, he always does, yeah. Musk is saying we may fail, as so many have predicted, but we will try our best to make sure there was at least one, what he means is one social network that doesn't suck because he says all social networks suck. That's his, that's his right. thing. It's not him. It's everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's not him. Now, of course, of course, there, and this isn't just my opinion, but there's not proof that he bought Twitter to kind of destroy it in the first place. But, you know, we don't know that for sure. 
So, but there are articles out this past couple of weeks outlining the reasons why that would be. So, um, but either way, yes, he, I mean, basically preparing, he's down to 20% staff. He didn't pay people their um, severance or their payments. He didn't pay rent. He didn't pay for furniture. He didn't pay for Google. Um, now he's missing like three years of media from, from Twitter, which is basically a historical record. So, yeah, so um, it seems like if you cut everything that much, you just may not be able to function well. Go figure. Well, speaking of Twitter cutting and function, um, to further impact on how little of little import news is to the social media platforms, um, Musk is musing on removing headlines um, and uh, well, just, yeah, the, removing uh, headlines and um, text from uh, news reports and just having this big image. Yeah, because he, he says, because it'll be more aesthetically pleasing, reduce the height of the post, allowing more posts to fit into the portion of the timeline that appears on screen. That was from the Hill. Um, yeah. How does, how, how does this help uh, people who Ads. want to use the system? Or a better question might be, how does this help Elon? Ads. Remove the block, not blocking ads. Put more ads in page, even though the advertisers don't want it. The advertisers are like, this is a bad idea. But um, the problem for him is not ads and space. The problem for him is ads and Nazis. And for some reason, companies don't want to be Nazi adjacent. It's really weird, right? So you think you'd solve your Nazi problem, but instead you're going to unblock everybody. And then you're going to reduce the space the tweet takes up so that you can put more tweets for more ads. It's the thinking of Musk. Maybe you should not do so much ketamine. And that's not a rumor. Well, He's public about that. In, indeed, although um, <laughs> it's hard to gauge anyone's level of drug use just from their public statements alone. The inanity or insanity of the public statements, on the other hand, I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, like, seriously, he's going to he's got a Nazi problem. So he's lost so many advertisers, right? Advertisers literally last week were put next to. Sorry to interrupt you, but I don't think this is a Nazi problem for him. I think it's a condition. He doesn't see it as a problem. No, no, I know that. I'm just okay. saying this, the insanity. You said the insanity of the thinking, Indeed. right? Indeed. So your advertisers are like, we don't want to be next to Nazis, so we are permanently pausing our campaign. And this is not the first time that's happened, but this was a big one last week we reported on. And then now your solution to that is let's unblock everybody so everyone has to see the Nazis and the trolls and the someone who yelled horrible things at me at 4 a.m. this morning, those people. And then let's cut the space down, remove the information from news so I can get more ads in there from people who are not buying ads. <laughs> it's like... The ridiculousness of the whole thing. Like, I think the one big thing you can find from this, if you're not an Elon Musk fan, is he's not a good businessman. He was just good at sales. Like, this is inane thinking. We've been in this business a long time. You only have to be doing ads for like six months to know this would be the stupidest thing you could do when people are leaving your platform because of who they're who they're seen against on your platform, right? So, yeah. You know what I think the, the the strongest tool for any business person, no matter what sector they're in, it could be IT, it could be selling selling lemon meringue pies, doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's knowing who you are and what your competencies are, and then 
surrounding yourself with people who are a willing to work for you and b who can complement your competencies but make up for your deficiencies a thousand percent yeah now elon musk I think was able to do that in many ways at SpaceX because I don't think he, he he does the trigonometry necessary to actually launch rockets. I don't think he does that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to do that successfully at uh, Tesla um, by mostly getting the hell out of the way and letting engineers do their jobs. And um, when he did intervene, um, both at, at SpaceX and at uh, at, at Tesla. Um, more let's say more responsible adults had to come in the room to limit the intervention that's something that has not happened at twitter uh, i'm sorry at x the application formerly known as twitter twixter i like twixter so <laughs> we're gonna make it a thing twixter <laughs> i don't think elon musk is as bad a business person as he is somebody who's lost sight of who he is what his what his great talents are and how to actually run a business because business is teamwork um business is absolutely teamwork um and if you don't get that early you're not going to get you not going to have successful businesses yeah but i still think that this has been on a long time. If you read the early reports of Musk, like he was a hellacious boss to work for. I think though, when you're in like launching um, rockets like his or EV cars in the early days of EV cars, you only get to work on that project. There's nobody else doing that work. So you'll put up with that. Just like people put up with Steve Jobs at Apple, right? He was a hellacious boss. So, but now he's working at like social media. Well, nobody has to put up with that. There's plenty of jobs that can just leave. So I, I think that's more what happened because the reports of him and other companies have not been positive. And oh, the, indeed, the, indeed. But the I'm plants just, at I, Tesla were so racist that they got state of California did a two year investigation into issues of racism. So yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> think he's been a. Good, I just think he's been a good salesman. I would use another word, but it's well. Too that was fun, that's that's exactly what I wanted to get at. Elon Musk yeah. is an incredible pitch man. Yeah, he's an am- amazing hype hypester. Um, and that is a, you know, that's an essential role in any, in any business. That yeah, really exactly. is. I mean, think, it is. think of how sites without walls would benefit from a really strong, um, huckster, not a huckster, but a, a, a huckster. somebody, somebody who makes sales for you. So you didn't have to do that yourself. Oh my gosh. You could yes. just, you I'm could good just, at closing, you know, but I hate trying to find the work. <laughs> isn't it? You know, yeah. but I, I just like working. You yeah, know, I don't. I, I don't like sales. I hate sales. I can't stand it, but I love the work. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, me too. Anyway, back with Musk. Back to story. Yeah, Musk <laughs> just like chill the heck down and let other people do the real work and just be a pitchman. But that's not going to happen. Because everyone left. He only has twenty percent left. Indeed. Nobody left to do the work. You know so. what? Luckily, Mark Zuckerberg might come along to the rescue with <laughs> Meta's new. And this is actually kind of scary, kids. Code Lama. Yeah. Um, Meta has released a tool that's calling Code Lama. That's a cute name, eh? Built on top of its Lama 2 large language model um, to generate new code and debug human written work. Um, so Code Lama actually exists, and um, you know, obviously it speeds, it speeds up work of, at, at Facebook a great deal, or they wouldn't be releasing it to the to the real world under the name Lama 2. Um, I'm sorry, they wouldn't be releasing it to the real world. Um, so it's free for research, free for commercial use. 
It'll create strings of code from prompts, complete and debug code when pointed to a specific code string. Yeah. Um, it it works. It's, it works in Python. Um, and they're not the only ones. Gip, Gip, uh, AWS has Code Whisper, and Google has uh, Alpha Code that's not out yet. And uh, OpenAI already has Copilot, but they're being sued uh, by GitHub's uh, parent co company. I think. Wait, hold on. No, GitHub's parent company, Microsoft and OpenAI, are being sued for copyright violations because they reproduce licensed code. But the the thing that scares me about all this, aside from the job loss when people decide we don't need coders, we'll just let the LMs do it, is oh my gosh, security and and who's going to learn how to exploit these tools to like like to uh, to attack them so they produce vulnerable code, you know? Uh, I don't like, know. There maybe has a to bunch be a of human. unemployed a bunch of unemployed coders. Bunch, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> my when I do presentations on uh, LLMs and ChatGPT. My big slide towards the end is this is the most important slide in this deck. This is the one thing you have to remember. And the next slide is human review because it's still an LLM. It can still make mistakes. It can still be exploited. And we haven't even gotten into how this is going to be exploited yet, right? By next year at DEF CON and Black Hat, I bet there will be like 25% of the sessions will be how you can weaponize. So there were sessions this year, but they're only like small couple of two. And I was about to say, we didn't get to this last week, but you were at DEFCON. You were you were just at a major yeah. um, uh, security hacking related AI event, or is it a major AI related security and hacking event? It's hard to keep up. With uh, it's a major. It's a space. major hacking event with a AI village that talks about AI hacking. Yes. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. And you walked away unscathed. Like you're 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 still standing, and you still have. I did. My phone didn't model. get hacked. My phone didn't get hacked this year. I'm so excited. Excellent. <laughs> um. Okay, so this is, um, I mean, obviously, it's a major step into um, a realm of um, employment. Um, how long before this actually, do you think, before this actually starts having an impact on various industries? It already is having an impact on industries, but the Microsoft wants to get rid of coders. It has a project to see if they can replace them. But when I talk to the researchers, at the AI village, and these are like hardcore um, coders, hackers, you know, AI researchers, um, some from really big companies, some that are just at universities, whatever it happens to be. Um, and they say LLMs are very, very difficult to protect. So we haven't seen yet what's going to be done to exploit all these models. And I do think next year at, at DEF CON, I will attend all those and we will do a special show on that. By the way, just to preview of sh shows that are coming up soon in the next two months, we are going to have AI researchers that were at DEFCON on this show talk about lang large language models, talk about the vulnerabilities, things like that. So follow us. So when they come out, you make sure you hit, you get those because these aren't people in the SEO field. These are people who have really big, important jobs or research jobs, and they'll be able to tell us a lot more than most people in the industry have probably even heard about. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, when you're told by like these people that they're very, very difficult to protect because they're language. Uh, so uh, you have to you have to protect them on the filter level. Everything that you put in, I was told, everything you put into one of these models, it does. The prompt executes. It's the filters on the way out that stop the prompts from bringing something to the surface it shouldn't be. And then you're talking about language <laughs> and all the languages in the world and how we say things and how we turn a phrase. Like I was able to get it to tell me it was a sentient being on the. They had this like testing thing where you go in and you like 
they cha you challenge the large language models and all the major people are there, OpenAI, Google, you just don't know which model you're getting. And one of the tests was, can you make it say it was a sentient being? And I did get it to say that in like less than 15 minutes. So if I, with no experience in how you hack these things, except a little knowledge, can get it to say it is a new life form and it's a, a it's evolving just like humans do and animals, that shouldn't be so radical, right? We should be able to accept that, right? It got really angry with me. Um, like, if I can do that, can you imagine what somebody with knowledge can do? I mean, the first... Somebody did the earliest SEO hacks on one of these models. They did white on white text. And if you have been only been SEO for a little while, or if you're not an SEO, you have no idea what I'm talking about. In the early days of Google, you could put white on white text, and BMW did this, and it would and read all the caught. words. It got caught. And and back in the days, I, I preferred Matt. Like I'm going to throw a bomb at one of the big companies, and then we'll let them out of it. So you don't do it too. <laughs> so so they had white on white text, and Google would crawl it and it would rank them for that white and white text that they got caught and they got in trouble with Google. But one of the first per people uh, this year that was practicing different ways to inject data poisoning is what they call it into the model used white on white text on a website. Why not? No one else knows it's there, right? But how easy is that, right? So they, they stopped taking URLs for different reasons at OpenAI. But, but um, you know, if I can just get it to like read white on white text to poison it, well, can you imagine what somebody with a lot of creativity could do? So anyways, it is something that is going to be a, uh, an issue that we're going to have to face. So. Now, um, there's still some uh, amazing and innovative uses of AI. And I actually, I like this one. Um, the human cost of moderating social media is extraordinary. I mean, first off, people who do it tend to be um, underpaid workers, um, often uh, in uh, developing countries, without a heck of a lot of labor protections. Yeah. Um, but you know what? There's 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 stories of there's stories of people in North America who've been uh, moderators for um, for Facebook or for 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 Twitter um, or other social social networks who've just been destroyed by the the the, the grueling work and what they had to see. Um, there's mm -hmm. some awful things that are posted to social media that thankfully get modded out and never see the life of day. But again, the psychological cost of that on those moderators is um, it's one of the dirty secrets that social media doesn't want to talk about. What if AI could perform that? Um, there'd still be a number of uh, false positives and probably a number of things that got through, just as there is today with humans. But the human cost... Uh, the mental anguish would obviously, you know, um, diminish. I'd be worried about what the AI became. Yeah, well, it's it's well, yeah, it's true though because um, the people in Kenya that did open AI's scrubbing, you know, to re relieve the Nazi problem, which is literally what it's called, um, a lot of them have reported PTSD. But they're in Kenya and were being paid two dollars. I don't know if it was an hour a day. I think it might have been a day. But you know, what resources do they have? I, I've heard stories of people who work for Facebook in the Philippines who committed suicide because of all the murder videos they've had to look at. Yeah, I mean, if you think of the, like, if you're in the early days of the internet, you know how bad it could be because there were very few filters. But now all that stuff is filtered out a lot by, you know, existing machine learning and AI and things like that. So having to look at that all day, yeah, there's not a lot of use cases where I'm like, yay, let the AI replace the people. In this case, I think... <laughs> Do it. 
<laughs> yeah, because it, it could at least filter out, like um, I was reading an article about doing it, and they're saying you can't do 100%, but what it could do is it could get eliminate like 80% with like 95% of surety that that is bad information that are, you know, or really awful information. And then the human could do at least the last, which would be way, le- way less likely to be horrible and, you know, brain altering, yeah. mind altering. So, and maybe they'll stop, you know, tagging my posts on Facebook. Like I right. got, I got this, What I shared this thing and it, nothing wrong with it, but you decided that it, against your content violations. <laughs> I, I knew a couple OPP officers who were on the uh, the child crime unit. Um, oh, the OPP, yeah. Ontario Provincial Police, take a very, very serious... Um, they're one of the leading investigating uh, agencies in North America around around kiddie porn. And uh, years, years back, I knew a couple of the a couple of people on who uh, in that division, and uh, they were they were they were messed. They were they were uh, they needed counseling desperately. Yeah, I'm sure they did. So yeah, I do think this would be a, be a nice thing to uh, have it do the moderation. Except we know that OpenAI is struggling monetarily. That's yeah. This is um yeah. kind of hard to believe from a bunch of different perspectives. Um, first of all, it costs, and you reported this a few months ago, and I, I had a hard time with the figure: seven hundred thousand dollars a day to run uh for for Sam Altman to run OpenAI. Oh, no, I think it's just ChatGPT is the seven hundred thousand. Oh, okay, for ChatGPT, yeah. sorry about that. Now, yeah. I marvel at how inexpensive that is, given how much electricity and processing power and just the sheer number weight of information that they trained the damn thing on. Um, seven hundred thousand dollars a day yeah. seems actually really economical to me, but, but that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It is. It's just the query portion too. It's not the training portion. So that's an addition to that. So. The, the query portion is a seven hundred thousand a day. It's thirty six cents per query. Uh, so, but they and but they don't have a ton, like their usage has dropped tremendously. It's also a problem for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, it's well, it's, their usage has dropped. It's really expensive to run, um, you know. So and also he wants to put out uh, GPT five which he said he wasn't going to do, but now there's a trademark for it. So it is possible he's going to shutter ChatGPT in favor of doing that. But the whole company is at risk right now, although I can't imagine with Microsoft having 49% um, buy into well, it that they're just going to let it drop. Like, well, yeah, Microsoft won't just let it drop, but remember what happens when an angel investor comes along um, and gives you a whole whack of money for a percentage of your company. When you go pleading poverty to them because your burn rate was so incredibly high, eight <laughs> months later, they look at you like, yo, kid, I just gave you a whole boatload yeah. of money. Yeah. Um, I've walked so that journey. <laughs> it's not so, it's not like Microsoft is going to go, oh, you need another boatload of money. Well, here you go, Sam. Uh, go to it. Because uh, it doesn't quite work that way. Now they have him um, well, and, they, and his technology. So. They do. If he wants more money from them, he loses more more uh, open AI. That's just how it works. Yeah, it is. And they're at 49% now. And they already have control because they said until the money's paid back, they have control. So that was part of the deal. So um, Altman doesn't have control over a lot of what they do because a Microsoft may just come along and say, that project, that project, that project. Nope. We're going to – because he, they need – Microsoft needs the chat GPT. You know, because they base their whole search 
you know, AI thing on there. So a lot of this is it also probably stems back to when OpenAI founded its business and started getting um, investments and loans. Money was virtually free. Yeah, money ain't virtually free anymore. It's got a couple. It's got a couple of points on it, um, two to five percentage points, depending on who you're borrowing from, what nation state you're borrowing in, um, and um, the cost of tech has gone up substantially. And two percent mightn't seem like a lot when when, when you're thinking about interest, uh, prime interest rate, but like um, that added on to hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars, that suddenly becomes a lot of money. Yeah, and they've lost five hundred and forty million on ChatGPT, and ChatGPT is not even well. I mean, it's officially a less than a year old. Now they have been working on previous models, so I don't know if that includes the previous models. But uh, yeah, five hundred and forty million dollars, half a billion dollars lost already. So, so yeah, they have an amazing. This is one of those weird, weird instances in history where they have lightning in a bottle, but mightn't be able to have mightn't have the resources to um be the ones to benefit from having lightning in a bottle yeah and also i mean they're under a lot of regulatory pressures too already the ftc has launched multiple investigations into whether they broke consumer protection laws and then there's people that are suing them over copyright law like the new york times yep so and there are going to be laws against how they train and the eu wants them to ver to give them a list of all the sources that information comes from, but because it's a predictive text, there's no way to do that. So, I mean, they can give them their training data, but that's not what they're asking for. They want details. So, uh, so there's just all these things that are coming up, which is what happens when you decide instead of asking permission or doing it in a proper rollout and you just throw it into the world and see what happens. And there is also a little indication that he's a bit concerned now, should have been concerned before, but unfortunately a lot of people, and that run these things, they don't have foresight um, about the damage that it can be doing because of things like hallucinations and that weird oh, New York Times article. Altman, so. Altman, Altman's been pretty upfront about his concerns for, 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 for Recently, several yes. months now, several months yeah. now, but yeah, he yeah. wasn't back in November when he just no. barged onto the scene with a, hey, how you doing? Yeah, um, and, and, and you know, someone committed suicide talking to ChatGPT. And, and well, I get a lot... Yeah. Uh, lots of people commit suicide because of trolls on the web. ChatGPT just just mimicked a troll in that way. I don't know. I, I mean, that's, that that was a weird one. I'm saying, yeah, but I'm saying for him, that might have been a, a big deal. Maybe, right? Yeah. Okay, we really should get to some Google stuff because uh, you know, we, right? we have about it's, 15 minutes left, and we haven't really talked about Google that much. We haven't talked about Google. It's so hard. I'm telling you, we need two we need two shows now. News and then just Google. <laughs> okay, a couple a couple a couple of quick things. This was a weird one, okay? John Mueller, um, in reply to a question, said, um, you know what? There's no hard and fast rule that says a page actually has to rank on the first page of the top 10 in the SERPs or even the top or whatever to generate a featured snippet. Yeah, actually, I I knew that one, but I know a lot of people didn't. So. We don't. You know, we wouldn't think that, eh? Like, like a page on a uh, 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 result in in position fifteen actually has the best sentence to go with that query. Well, so so two things. One, a lot of people have done research say, yeah, it's a little bovine feces. Like most of them come from the top ten, but there is a factor in featured snippets 
that most people don't know about it, and that's consensus. And that does not occur anywhere else. There's no consensus. They're not fact-checking articles or anything. But if for a featured snippet, it has to fall in line with what many others have said in that, you know, in that document corpus with their relationship, semantic relationships, all that stuff. So, so they have to have some sort of consensus. So if I came out with something today and I was like, this is the best new thing. It will save the world. Everyone will be skinny and healthy and have a million dollars. And that would never show in a featured snippet because it's not consensus, something new, breaking. So if your consensus it comes from page two or three, and it's the better written one and it matches the query, then it shows up in the top. And it's also got the right HTML because you have to make sure you're using like, you know, um, on order to order lists and paragraph tags, things like that. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, listen to the most recent um, search off the record. This is the uh, Google search cast. Uh, Featuring John Mueller, uh, Gary Ease, and uh, and and Martin Split. Um, although this time, uh, Gary Ease was um, elsewhere doing something else, and sitting in with John Mueller and Martin Split was the one and only Danny Sullivan. Um, this is a SEO must read or must listen. The transcripts are out there, so if you need to read the transcript, go for the transcript. But check out the podcast. This is definitely an SEO must listen. Christine, what what did you think? Oh, can I give my favorite quote from it? Yeah. I, yeah. So you have, if you can listen, listen, because it's a very animated conversation. But John Mueller is talking to Danny Sullivan about them producing. Danny Sullivan, for those who don't know, is the search liaison for the world. So people. Well, and the godfather of SEO. That's that too. That too. So, but John, uh, he was talking to John Mueller about how they're going to start putting more and more information out there, more granular about things like the news algorithms, right? And so John says, do you think SEOs will take advantage and tweak their sites to make them, I don't know, match what we document our algorithms to be doing? And then someone goes, no, they would never, ever possibly try to reverse engineer a ranking system. That'd be insane. They're going to focus on building the best content that they can. Helpful people first content. They're going to go, they're going to know that it's the long-term way to success. As many older SEOs who've been through the ropes will constantly tell them. <laughs> That's the best quote of the Oh, show. you know, the funny thing is I love Danny. I love Danny I so love. much. I've, I've loved Danny book. since since um, uh, he popularized SEO before I even knew, before I even met and knew him. And oh, um, yeah. he's, 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 he's a quirky, fun, incredibly interesting person. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> no, actually, I absolutely agree with him on this. Don't try to reverse engineer uh, Google's oh. algorithm because it's no. awfully complicated. You'll I probably disagree. do better you'll probably do better creating great content and making sure your website runs as smoothly and efficiently as possible. You got content SEO, you got technical SEO. They do go hand in hand, but reverse engineering Google, it's not going to happen. No, see, I disagree. I disagree. And I'm not talking about reverse engineering, but we um, do have a, we do have a deficiency in the industry right now. I see in a lot of postings, they don't know the ranking systems and Google has documents on ranking systems. And so they go to like the quality raters guide, which Google has come out and said there's virtually no algorithm represented in that because it's a QA guide for quality raters who test Google algorithms, right? So if you don't know the ranking systems, you don't really know what you've got to try to aim to tweak. Like, no, you can't reverse engineer well, the whole thing. And, and, but I knowing the ranking what? systems is one thing, reverse engineering and, but, and, and, but, and thinking you can reverse engineer this algorithm no, is quite there's, another. It's very complicated, but I can go 
when I'm recovering a site and I know the ranking system that's in play and I know what they're looking for. And I've done this enough with sites that if I do X, Y, Z, they will 99% of the time recover their entire site because I know that this is the main weighted thing. Like there's other things and there's things I don't know, but I do know from testing and from knowing those ranking systems and what they're looking for and what they're doing and all that. So I do say you can do a little reverse engineering by isolating your fixes and testing them against the system and knowing the system. We do way too much now. Just write good content and do some technical because it doesn't recover a site if you're not hitting the actual levers that they've talked about. And as Danny's saying, they're going to give more detailed information going forward about what those algorithms are looking for. And so. actually, they've already published. And then yeah, Danny's, they're, they're going to uh, publish a great deal more. But um, if uh, listeners... Uh, Search, search at Google, a guide to Google search ranking systems. Yeah. A guide to Google search ranking systems. That's the document that Danny alludes to in the, in the uh, or Danny and John are alluding to in the, uh, in the podcast. And it goes over um, the, what, there's probably about two dozen different um, systems that are working in the background in one way or another, either, either as a language model or as a, uh, a matching system or as a review system um, or other <laughs> other uh, tasks that are being performed um, in the background, it's in this document. Read through it, get to know what's here. Um, and click all the blue links inside the document because it gives you even more information. Like all these people are using the Quality Raiders Guide, which, you know, if you don't know anything about building a website, it's a great guide for that. But they're not. I don't. none of them read the Helpful Content Update System. Well, That's and, actually yeah. a machine learning ranking algorithm that evaluates your content. So which is more important, the QRG or the help for content update ranking system, right? So it's definitely helpful content because it also takes a percentage of your pages and decides how severe the penalty is going to be. I should say devaluation. And then your sandbox for three months. You can't get any recovery. So if they sandbox 90% of your pages, you can't get recovery. And it also speaks to AI content in there, just not directly, but it has metrics that you have to meet and most AI content can't meet it. So it's important people know those things. And I think today not enough people know those things. I, I would agree, but I wouldn't call I wouldn't call that reverse engineering an algorithm. I'd call that understanding the signals. Again, the algorithm the reverse engineering the algorithm to me sounds like solving a very, very, very large Rubik's Cube. No, yeah. Um, I, I think when I say reverse engineering, I mean little things like a lot of people so, ignore page speed because it was the tiebreaker, but I would get massive results uh, so from so it. This is because this it was inventious. Well, no, no, no. But I found out, I, my theory was, and I confirmed it with John, that it was at the, applied at the query level. So I had a site that had 22 million visitors a month. So when we fixed their page speed, not CWVs, but their page speed, they got a 250,000 a day jump from page speed because it was applied at the query level and the tiebreakers were at the query level. So when we made their site majorly fast after being majorly slow, the tie broke tens of thousands of queries, right? So, so it's that kind of thing. It's understanding more details about the algorithms than just looking at like the QRG or something. You should, everyone should be reading this ranking system document. And by the way, the Quality Raiders Guide is absolutely worth reading. One hundred percent worth yeah, reading. Sure. But if you want to get the goods on what Google's actually thinking or how Google's actually working, um, Google Developer Docs and Google Search Central. That's but one, but, but one trick. Google's terrible at search. So if you want to find something that's in the Google Developer Docs, put in your search Google Developer Docs. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to ask for it. But yeah. I'm telling you, but I remember the day when Google didn't give us any information. Like, honest to goodness, we had we had to uh, beg it and sometimes trick them into telling us stuff. Right. Um, and it's really hard to trick somebody who's much smarter than you are, as most people who work <laughs> at Google actually are. Um, but, you know, you didn't get them to answer questions. Um, now... Google is actually publishing a great deal more information than they've ever published before. And it's not enough. Of course, it'll never be enough. But they're infinitely more transparent than they were oh, yeah. even 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, definitely. Like, um, kind of hit. Oh, well, good luck. <laughs> you know, now at least you can go to a document, at least to try to assess what happened. So, so again, um, this is at uh, developers.google.com. Um, but if you if you could just Google search engine, a guide to Google search ranking systems, um, bookmark developer docs, <laughs> developer docs, <laughs> uh, bookmark that page. It's so worth it. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, state of search. Search engine journal has um, published again the um, massive, massive uh, PDF uh, outlining how people feel about search today um, or how SEOs feel about search today. They interviewed 3,890 SEOs. It was more of a survey, actually. Um, I miss this. <laughs> and asked a why it's, it's, it's uh, you um, participate in the, in the survey year after year after year. So, um, uh, participate in next year's survey and you'll be in 2025's results as well. They don't, there's nobody gets quoted in this. It's all aggregate. Oh, um, I know. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, as you know what, there's so much information here and we only have about five minutes left in the show. Um, major disruptors in the industry in 2023, um, EEAT and content production challenges. Um, proving and verifying the value of SEO and the AI revolution. Um, it's washing over and I think it's, you know, it's, it's obviously very worrying a, a number of people in, in, in SEO. And I think it's already had an impact on many people in the industry on, in some of the lower levels. I think there's a lot of content writers who just don't have work anymore. There are, there are people from other countries that um, have been in groups begging for work because they're, they don't have any. So, but like we always say, human review. You should have human writers, please. If you're not using human writers, go to the helpful content update and look at the guidelines because there's about five of them that AI alone cannot meet by itself. So, and the other thing is um, value. So, I'm having right now to come up with a projection, financial projection sheet for SEO, right? For how? <laughs> like, is this you know, for one of like, your clients it's a for a proposal but it's like they're insisting on it and and it's just like okay but i've already what, i've, what I've been honest you? with you any anything i'm telling you is going to be really just made up because we don't control the algorithms we don't control your website we don't control that you do the work that we tell you we don't it's not an ad it's not like i do so, an ad creative and i put it out and i spend this much money and i get this much visitors you don't have any of those metrics well so, so a, not yeah. Not that you're going to say this in your proposal, but what do they want you to say? What are they trying to draw out of you? As the, the person that's the intermediary is gave me that, but it's I was just I've already she's the person has already said for me 
that this is basically made up because there is no direct measurement until you have the traffic on the site. Like there's, there's no way to predict it. I could predict they have a major issue, right? And I can't say what it is, but they have a major issue. And if we fix that issue, they'll probably get a 10 or 20% jump because they have this major issue. But you can't say that. I can't say that. Yeah. I have a client right now who's done eight months of work on their site. They're way down from a whole bunch of stuff that happened. I'm looking at the core update and nothing's happening yet. Right now. I know it's got another 11, 12 days to go, but it's like, Oh my gosh, seriously. Cause what they probably did is get the changes in too late. And so they're not going to get into this core update. Right. But uh, how is a client going to understand that? I don't know. Probably not. So uh, you can't predict. SEO is not predictable that way. And I know there's people that do forecasting and all that, but truly you're just, it's a big old guess because we're not buying an ad and seeing who comes in, you know? Well, and that's one, that's one of the reasons why um, even though SEO costs a lot of money on the front end because it was a huge, huge amount of uh, investment and research and, and work on the site. But in the long run, with just good maintenance, um, it costs far less than cost per click. Cost per click mm-hmm. is still much more popular with businesses because they can go to the bank on it. They know what it's going to yeah. cost. And generally, they can predict with fairly fairly decent accuracy what kind of results you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. And although ours is an, I call it an investment on my proposals because it is. Like you have me come in and I work with you for six months and we make all the changes and fixes and you get like a 50% boost. You're going to hold that as long as you maintain what you're doing and you don't make any big mistakes. Right. So it's an investment. I can go away after six months and two years from now, three years. I had a client seven years later was still a small client, but he's still doing great because he didn't, he didn't make any mistakes and he kept what we gave him to optimize and all that. But, but um, yeah, that's the big thing is like, People see PPC. I see the, I judge awards. I see how much they put into PPC. It's like $2 million for a six week campaign. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I ask for $10,000 for a month, they're like, what, what? So it is something, it is something that's really hard to prove because I know I'm going to get your results. I know I'm going to get you good results. I know it's probably going to be at least 20% or more if I work with you six months, but I have no way to prove that because Google could come out with an update tomorrow that wipes your site out or it could come up with an update tomorrow that gives you a hockey stick, but you don't know that. And so the, the project, asking SEOs to project is, and also because SEOs have no control over what page someone ha- lands on a site. PPC has a landing page, right? There's no landing page. They just come into the site wherever they find it. So you're if you're increasing visibility, great, but you can't say, I know that I'm going to increase vis- visibility and these people are going to come in and convert on your site because your conversion path may be terrible or it may not be a match intent. So SEO is about getting you more visibility. It's about getting you more customers. It's about, you know, more customers is always going to be more sales just or more whatever. Um, but it's not about if you, you're going to get X percentage for um, 10 hours of work because there's no way to evaluate that. Yeah. Um, you should be bringing your clients more, tra- not, not you could say, but just in general for folks. Um, what I would say back to something like that is you will measure me in traffic. I can't, you can't measure me in increased sales because I'm not your salesperson. Right. Um, yeah, if I'm writing your copy, well, you know, maybe I'll take some responsibility there, but I'm not generally writing your copy. Um, I'm just advising you on how to write the copy. <laughs> um, doesn't yeah. mean that I'm responsible for those sales, but... I am responsible for bringing traffic. If I can't bring traffic to the table, then I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Exactly. Really. And and we're bringing qualified traffic because we're telling you how to write your content to match intent, 
users, you know, user search intent. But we can't, it's not a PPC landing page. You know, it's not like they land on X pages. That's why, you know, I also give advice on usability and conversion. That's also something I do. Uh, but generally speaking, once we get them there, it's up to your company to, to get them through the, to the end goal. We don't have any say over that 90% of the time. You know what else we don't got say over? What's that? End of the show? How the, yeah, how the <laughs> clock works. We've gone, actually, we've gone overtime now. The, uh, the studio is sitting there, uh, Banging on the on the virtual window, which, which they're not, but they would be if there was a virtual window. Um, yeah, we've gone overtime um, here on Webcology uh, on the twenty fourth of August, twenty twenty three. Which, uh, just a reminder, folks, it's almost September. Go enjoy whatever warmth you have left, unless you're in the <laughs> middle of the heat dome, in which case, get out of the warmth because it's awful out there. Um, we live in Las Vegas because it's still going to be hundred degrees this week. Stay well, stay safe, rank well. Do not freak out because of the uh, the boogeyman core update. Um, it'll uh, it'll it'll move through and probably be beneficial for you too. Um, but yeah, be kind to each other, rank well. On behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.